You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Someday we need to dedicate an hour to the nonsense that Stone Labanowitz was <laughs> dropping on us during the break. Ken LaVica Live here on ESPN 106.3 presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA Sport. It is Monday edition. Ken Levick alive. That means Theo Dorsey hanging out with us. WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Uh, I figured since the Rams are in the Super Bowl, needed to reach out to a good friend of ours here at ESPN 106.3. He was here in South Florida. Now he is uh, a transplant to Southern California. You hear him, Sedano and Cap, uh, every afternoon, 710 ESPN out in L.A. It is George Sedano with us here on Ken Levick Alive. Georgie, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good to hear your voice, and it's uh, a pleasure and an honor. Uh, my first appearance on Ken Levick Alive after all these years. Yeah, your maiden voyage. Uh, so I, uh, I, I do have to have you settle a couple of things first before we dig in here on the Rams that we've been talking about. Sure. Choke job wise, when you're talking about the 49ers or the Chiefs yesterday, I know the Chiefs was 21 to three. I know they had a terrible play call at the end of the first half, but. The way the 49ers just abandoned their identity and Sean McVay's awful, awful coaching and game management yesterday, the 49ers felt a little bit more demonstrative of a choke to me compared to, to what the, the Chiefs did to the Bengals. Oh, see, I, I would disagree uh, because if you look at, and granted we have a much larger sample size to work with with the Niners and Rams, um, but their last several games have been really close. Yeah. Like, um, and, and look, the Niners, uh, yes, they've had their number, and I believe that in football particularly that's uh, a factor. But, I mean, look, did the Niners go away from their identity or did Tart just drop a pick, right, yeah. that would have sealed the game? So I don't know if that's a choke job. I mean, the guy plays defense for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, he's not out there trying to catch the ball all the time. Uh, granted, you should still catch that one because it was like a pop fly. But, yeah, I, I still think what the Chiefs did because of how how just completely contrasting the has were for Patrick Mahomes to me is a much bigger deal. Plus, Andy Reid really just kind of admitting that that last play call in the end of the first half was a complete disaster and failure. So I, I look at the Chiefs as a much bigger collapse, uh, certainly, than what the Niners did. I, I guess I can't get over Sean McVay yesterday. What what was he doing? I mean, he got called out by Troy Aikman in the game saying he's just reaching. The challenges were bad. You didn't have any timeouts left with like ten and a half to go. And, yeah, he moves past that. But he's openly apologizing to Matt Stafford for a bad third down play call in a key moment in the fourth quarter. What was going on with him yesterday? You know, look, to equate it to someone in South Florida, Sean McVay is a lot like Eric Spolstra, in my opinion. Where really? He, you know, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, I think that I actually have told both of them they should get to know each other because I, you know, I've been around both of them now for a long time. Um, and, and I feel like they are kindred spirits in a lot of ways. And I mean that with the greatness and also occasionally the flaws, right? Like, I think that Sean, much like Eric, uh, sometimes uh, trusts or wants to, like, make his players feel like their, like their relationship is solid, right? Like, I trust you. You're telling me to challenge this? Yeah. I'll challenge it, right? Um, and Spo does that. And Spo doesn't use his challenges all that often, but sometimes I've felt like Spo has used his challenges because he wants his player to feel good about it, right? And now, granted, you shouldn't do that to lose all your timeouts, so <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think that that's part of it. And I think the other part of the equation with those two, which is very similar, 
they almost believe in their players to a fault. I mean, their talent, right? Where he feels like if 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 we don't get this to go our way, if, if the worst case scenario happens and we lose our timeout, I still trust our group to be able to overcome whatever challenges are in front of us because we're that talented, we're that good. Um, and I think that both Eric and Sean have that kind of mentality. Uh, George Sedano with us here again, 710 ESPN out in L.A. You see him uh, on the NBA and ESPN sideline in studio. College football play-by-play joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Now, uh, we also had a discussion about Joe Burrow. We'll get back to the Rams in a second here. But I maintain that Joe Burrow is a little like awkward, nerdy cool as opposed to cool cool. But, Theo, what did you tell me about Joe Burrow's Q rating on black Twitter? Right now, Joe Burrow has the highest Q rating, and it's it's really not even close on black Twitter for any white guy. Yeah, and, and so he's Theo's, cool. Theo's very <laughs> high on him, very, very, like, naturally cool. Where do you stand on this? Is Joe Burrow naturally cool, cool, or awkward, nerdy cool? Uh, I think he is, he is crossed over, uh, to Theo's point. I think that he is now, he is now cool, cool. I mean, listen, I, I, I was nuts. On Around the Horn, I got muted by Tony Reale once when I thought I compared him to a, a young Joe Montana. And now we're starting to look at him, and yeah, he's kind of like Joe Cool, right? Like, I think that his game is very similar. Um, I think his personality is very similar. And yeah, after yesterday, when he talked about his ice and it being real because he can afford it, I mean, come on, man. Like, you got to. <laughs> Can give that guy some love for He's sure. Fully made the leap. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know if I'm sensitive to this because being down here in South Florida for lo- uh, for so long, and you're obviously from here. But Dolphins fans get killed all the time when a different fan base comes in and, and invades Hard Rock Stadium. There were a ton of 49ers fans at SoFi Stadium yesterday. We had a feeling it was going to happen. How do LA fans react to that? Especially some of the making fun of they're going to get from the outside. Yeah, I don't think they love it, but I, I think that, again, it, it's all about the perspective and context, right? Yeah. There wasn't NFL football here for 22 years. <laughs> so what you have is already a city that's made up, much like Miami. It's very similar except way bigger um, and much better weather. Um, but <laughs> the it, it's similar in the sense of you've got this fans or people, right, who are sports fans or just in general, right, who are natives, right? They grew up, they're Angelinos or they're... Uh, Miamians or whatever, and then you have a ton of tourist plans, right? So it's probably like close to 50-50 or at least, you know, 60-40 in that range, and you have these situations. But couple that with the fact that the Niners were good when Rams left town yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when the Raiders left town, okay? Like, Steve Young was really good yeah. <laughs> still at that time. They infiltrated. So you have a lot of Niner fans, kids at that age, were like, hey, I want to be with the cool thing, right? The cool thing was mm-hmm. the Niners. Um, the Rams were not that cool. Like, they were okay. Um, and the Raiders still have a ton of fans here because they're the only team to actually win a Super Bowl, uh, we'll see in a couple weeks, uh, for the city of Los Angeles. So I, I think that the Rams, you know, they've had an uphill battle to begin with. Not like, I mean, look, the Chargers, I mean, they're not – the, the hill, they got like a, a mountain. Like, they got Mount Everest to climb. They're a different breed. But at least the Rams have a history here, right? They were the first professional team, actually, in Los Angeles, 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, the Los Angeles Rams. But then they went to Anaheim. And then there's also this thing here, very similar to South Florida, where it's like Dade County versus Broward County, right? right, right. Where it's like, where it's like, where, you know, Orange County is not L.A. You know what I mean? So there's, 
there's a lot of things that play there that I could talk to you about for hours. <laughs> uh, but that that particular group, the, the the Bay Area fans, do a really good job of getting down here, um, particularly for football games, but even even basketball games occasionally. Like Clipper fans, I mean they. They, they take over the Clipper games. Lakers, not so much because the Lakers have a legitimate brand and obviously they're like, they're like the, the one team here or, or maybe the Dodgers, like 1A, where you don't get like overwhelmed um, as far as in the stand. But the Bay Area fans always show up here in Southern California because there's plenty of them that are native to Los Angeles who are just fans of the Bay Area teams. And then it's just an easy commute from up there to down here. I got a question, too, because over the past two weekends, and you're on the ground there in L.A., so maybe you can give me some insight on this. I'm not sure if the Rams want to win these football games. Like, they have the talent to do it. They mortgage the future. But what's going on out there where they almost let Brady extend his career one more game, and it seemed like they didn't really want to play when the 49ers showed up to town? Well, I mean, let's take those two things separately, right? Like, the, the, what happened to them in the game against the Bucks was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I don't even know how much of that is self-inflicted because I look at it as like turnovers particularly like fumbles and that's so random dude like you know what I'm saying like the ball can pop out in so many different ways it's an oblong shaped ball you know like it's it, you know so it, it's just gonna take funny bounces to begin with and then you know there was a weird snap right like where Stafford hadn't hadn't hiked oh, the yeah. ball yet and all of a sudden the, the center snapped the ball zipped past his head like there's a lot of things that happened there that just were terrible luck um, with the Niners, some, most of that, I would say, was self-inflicted, right? Like, Stafford threw a bad pass in the end zone on the first drive that got picked off. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that they did wrong. But here's what I would say about the Rams, is that if you look at it, and you can go back to the regular season, even when they lost three in a row, three in a row and everybody was down on them, you know, I was sitting there saying, there's a path here, because there's a lot of talent, to your point, on this team. They're so talented, they can overcome a lot of stuff. And that's what they've shown in a lot of these games, is how resilient they are. Go back to the game against Baltimore. I mean, they had to throw a couple of passes on, on fourth down just to get in position just to score. Odell Beckham Jr. had the two biggest plays of arguably of those seasons in that game with a big fourth down catch and then a catch in the end zone subsequently after that. They've been teetering consistently. Like, the first half of the season, they blew teams out. Then they lost three in a row, and since that point on, they've been the team that has been really resilient and come from behind a lot. So um, they've shown that they're capable uh, of winning in a lot of different ways. But I actually feel more emboldened about them and my pick for them to win the championship at the beginning of the season because they're not front runners. They're not just a team that can win from ahead. They're a team that can come from behind, and we've seen a lot of that over the last seven, eight, nine weeks. Uh, one more here for uh, for George Sedano, our buddy out in L.A. Again, 710 ESPN. You see him all over ESPN's NBA coverage. Uh, our, our good Carmel Brands family, George and Cleveland, uh, they are hating, hating, hating the fact that Odell Beckham is uh, is going to the Super Bowl. I sort of find it delectable. I think it's hilarious. Uh, just, just how significant has Odell Beckham been to the Rams since he arrived? Oh, man, he's been huge. I mean, he first got here as a luxury, right? Because you had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, both were incredible wide receivers. And then Robert Woods, he's out for the season. He's no longer a luxury. Like, you need him to get involved and be a big part of what you're doing. Um, and let's not forget, they missed Tyler Higby for a number of weeks in the season due to COVID. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they lost him yesterday. And, you know, we'll see if he's available for the, for the Super Bowl. 
he became a big part of what they were doing. Little by little, week by week, he became more and more and more involved. And again, that's a testament to McVay and Stafford and this offensive staff and, and just the team in general. During that three-game losing streak, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. They brought in Vaughn Miller. And a lot of people are like, oh, they're, they're grasping at straws. These guys are done. They're toast. And look at the type of impact both guys have made yeah. uh, down the stretch. And it's fascinating to see a team in the NFL take like an NBA or a Major League Baseball approach of we're going all in um, because we generally don't see that with a ton of success. Now, I guess the Bucks to some extent, did that last year going after Brady. But like, you don't see that very often with, with a lot of success. So the Rams, that is certainly their mantra. Like, we'll worry about 2025 when 2025 comes. But to your point, Odell's playing with a, a quarterback who consistently, even though playing for the worst team in football uh, in the Lions, uh, has been a top-ten quarterback. And now, you know, you can make the case he's probably better because his talent has, has told, you for ye- told you for years that he's better. He just has had a crappy team around him, right, and a crappy organization. Right. But you look at the Browns, the Browns have a great team around Baker Mayfield, and what we've learned is that when the team has had more success, it's been in spite of Baker Mayfield, where he's been more of a game manager as opposed to being the guy who's trying to force things down the field and particularly force it to Odell yeah. uh, maybe a little too much. So I, I think that Odell's dad probably deserves uh, a lot more credit than what he received at the time when he put out that video because <laughs> he was getting crushed. But he was right in the end. Totally. He absolutely totally vindicated, and Father's Day should be very, very oh, fruitful yeah. for him. Father of uh, the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George, awesome stuff. Appreciate you. Thanks for making the time. Have a good show today, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, guys. Take care. Thanks right. again. George Sedano, 710 ESPN. And again, see him all over the NBA coverage on ESPN, on your sideline, in your studio. Uh, South Florida guy. We love having him here on ESPN 106.3.